It don't matter what I try I just can't win and I don't know why There's a fork in every road I pick the wrong one and then I go American loser, yes I am Disenfranchised from everything well, I fall up and I fall down An American loser the day I was born Hello, welcome back to another episode of American Loser. It is the podcast that puts the spotlight firmly on second place. Uh, welcome back to another episode of the show. Here we are recording live at a shared university in Eatontown, New Jersey. Uh, Mike and Ming taking good care of us here as always. Thank you very much to those guys. And of course, uh, we're recording at their studio, which means we have one of the best producers of podcasts in this here state Aww. of New Jersey. Uh, the big kahuna behind the ones and twos. Hey, there he is. hey, what's going on, man? Good morning. Good morning. Thank you for getting up early. I know we are ruining your Saturday morning cartoons yet again here. It's okay. <laughs> but uh, I only missed the first. I only missed the first thirty minutes of He Man. It's okay. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say, "Oh, we have DVR now." It's you okay. can DVR that. Um, of course, uh, here with me, as always, for our regular listeners, my handsome Delph of a father sitting across from me. Hey, here we go. How are you feeling this morning? Oh, we're just, we're just top top dollar here all the way. I hear. I enjoyed our uh, – we had a silent car ride down until the coffee kicked in around uh, exit 142, I want to say. And then all of a sudden things got uh, amicable. Uh, we, we've brought on one of our uh, – we've brought on a longtime listener and uh, honest to God. Uh, one of the pioneers of, of listeners I think, right? Indeed. Uh, one of my best friends on this planet, uh, Mr. Tristan Ryan Bedrero. How you doing, sir? You doing okay? I'm doing good. How are you doing today? I'm excellent, bud. I'm, uh, we got a really good episode here for you. I'm stoked to bring you on for this one. Uh, let the record show, by the way, Tristan petitioned endlessly to be a guest on this show. <laughs> so by sheer nature of me being a son of a bitch, um, we had to push him back about uh, six or seven months. So. <laughs> Stop the whining. We'll put you on. We'll put you on. Uh, well, good. I, I do want to say, um, am I not a dilf of a father? <laughs> no, I, I would agree. It's actually a good point. Uh, Tristan does have children now, uh, despite uh, the state of New Jersey's every effort. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, no, you forced, are for sterilization, Kev, or uh... yeah, that uh, that messes with me too. <laughs> I mean, I try my best on that you know level also. <laughs> Uh, no, uh, yeah, uh, no. Tristan is a father. Uh, if you didn't see that episode of Maury, um, it has been confirmed. <laughs> so, not for nothing. Uh, pretty interesting guy here. We're going to talk about today. Um, so I've not. Tristan and I have been friends since I was, I think, like thirteen or fourteen years old when I first met you, um, and we met up at uh, the glorious Camp Lewis, which uh, some people know all about. Uh, which I have a couple jokes in my stand-up act that are uh, catering towards that. but uh, So we'll, we'll leave that on the table here for now. But um, a couple years before I met you, Tristan Ryan, uh, we went over to uh, a family vacation that my father took me on to Gettysburg National Park, all right? The battlefield uh, you know, commemoration, if you will. It's pretty much Disney World for Civil War buffs. <laughs> there you go. All right? That's what I'm going to call it. But uh, – there's this one name that stood out the entire time there because the guy is uh, a central figure in the battle. And you just – this goofy shit about him. He's like a one-man Ripley's Believe It or Not. <laughs> um, just a fascinating guy here, man. So we're going to talk about him today. Uh, we're going to talk about Devil Dan Sickles, okay? Um, now, Dan Sickles sounds like uh, you know some sort of a product or something like that. But uh, Dan Sickles is a fascinating dude here. Do you guys know anything? Uh, I know Larry knows about him and I know Tristan has done some research here. Cahoon's just for – 
the listeners at home, do you know anything about this guy? Not a clue. All right, but you, know, <laughs> you know about Gettysburg, though, right? Yeah. The pivotal uh, battle of the Civil War, if you will. Have you ever been there? No, actually. All right, you have to go. It it's a definite uh, close-at-hand road trip. Well, uh, as I recall, um, Dad, you have uh, you've often heard Gettysburg referred to as a uh, what was it a, a drinking town with a history problem? <laughs> yeah, a good a good drinking town with a history problem, right? <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I tortured our family as you were talking about earlier because there was an audio cassette tape you could listen to that uh, as you drove around the park in your uh, well, we have a Mercury Sable, back mm, whatever then. it was, yeah. yeah. Um, the hot rod. Yeah, we had a station wagon to go around. <laughs> Which, by the way, station wagon, terrifying because they're like, oh, well, we can put the young children in the back where they can face the oncoming traffic. <laughs> uh, terrifying. Oh, right. yeah. The way back seat. <laughs> oh, yeah. And you just see that. I, I mean, people waving to you, uh, middle finger, stuff like that. I mean, just terrifying. Well, I can see your dad as Chevy Chase driving the Wally World. Not yet. Flash <laughs> <laughs> grandma to the roof. Uh, yeah, the whole man. The. Uh, there's a reason we never had a dog. But <laughs> that being said here, uh, the uh, as you would drive around the battlefield of uh, Gettysburg, uh, it, the tape instructions would literally say, when you arrive at this monument, press play. So then you turn off the tape and you drive up to the monument and you keep hearing about this guy, Dan Sickles, and you're just like, you want to talk about a slapstick personality? Like there's almost a Leslie Nielsen quality to him. <laughs> Of, the Looney Tune uh, of the Civil War. Yeah, from, from the files of Police Squad. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, he is just a, a goofy dude. And then you're sitting here reading about him as an adult. And I was like, this guy has fascinated me for 20-something years. And uh, I'm so excited to start talking about him today. So without further ado, guys, American Loser, Dan Sickles. So this is something you've been looking forward to since, like, forever. He is um, he is the spirit animal of this show, right. I would say, right. um, that I'm just blown away by him. And the shit that I found out in researching him, that after 20 years of knowing his story... You never knew. Exactly. Oh, man. Now, here's what's fun, too, is that his life happens in chapters, and each chapter could be a movie in and of itself. <laughs> so, um, to, uh, to give us the, uh, the inauspicious start to an auspicious story, uh, born in 1819 in New York City, uh, Daniel Edward Sickles would prove that life happens in chapters. Chapters of his book would include senator, murderer, insane man, civil war hero, amputee, Roman emperor of the south, womanizer, tabloid fodder, jealous husband, corrupt politician, and international agitator. <laughs> I remember those were the alternate titles for the Harry Potter series. <laughs> <laughs> I like those movies. Oh, man. Uh, I've never seen those movies, and my goddaughter, Sophia, won't talk to me anymore. <laughs> so, um, Sickles was born in New York City, the son of a patent lawyer and a descendant of the Knickerbockers. Uh, Lawrence Patrick, what are the Knickerbockers? Uh, the Other Knicker than a sub-500 basketball player. <laughs> yeah. yeah the, he wasn't a descendant of uh, a basketball player, but uh, the Knickerbockers was a term given um, to old old school, old family uh, New Yorkers that were really kind of a, the, the original Dutch um, settlers of, of New York and the surrounding area. Uh, and the Knickerbockers were um, pretty well financed too. That they, they they were the ones that came here first, made a boatload of money, and continued to have uh, a whole lot of power and influence. So essentially, it was a lucrative way of being the first person to comment on a YouTube video. So when people write first when they're the first commenter on it, they always think that's some sort of a big you know accomplishment or something. But the Knickerbockers, you know, one of the first families of New York, if you right. will. Well, so. it was multiple families, but yeah, co collectively put together, known as the uh, Knickerbockers. Well, a fascinating group on that one here. Now, um, as we were saying, pre Rockefeller or 
Oh, so um, oh, yeah. very much pre-Rockefeller, but uh, the second episode we're recording today, we do get into a little bit on uh, Mr. Rockefeller himself, which I think you'll appreciate, Cahoons. Um, that being said, uh, he was a descendant of the Knickerbockers, and Dan learned the printer's trade and attended a small school, a safety school, one might call it, uh, New York University. <laughs> All right, so we wound up going to NYU. It wasn't quite called that yet. I forget what the original name of the school was. But uh, I guarantee they didn't have a film program back then. Mm-hmm. Um, after studying law for a brief period of time, and this is what I keep noticing, is that everybody who's uh, interesting in history or who pulls off some ridiculous feat, they're always lawyers. Right. All right? <laughs> we are a cu- – like literally it is um, – if you talk about old England, you're going to talk about like the knights and stuff like that. Literally almost all of uh, America's stories, it's lawyers instead of knights. So <laughs> weird shit with all that here, man. But um, – now, during the time that he's uh, entering politics and uh, being a part of New York, if you will, uh, for listeners of the show, this is the height of Tammany Hall power. Yeah. All right? So pretty fascinating shit with all that here, man. Now, uh, this guy Sickles, pretty enigmatic personality. I'm going to say a big personality. Kind of like you, Tristan. That's, uh, I picture Dan Sickles as you in certain ways. <laughs> <laughs> Knowing what I know about this guy, I kind of take it as a compliment. It's not a compliment. That, that yeah. hurts kind of. <laughs> uh, well, it, here's the weird part. In his story, as we're going to unfold, it's uh, it's part compliment, part brutal insult. Um, <laughs> That's right. So thank He's, you, you fucking <laughs> asshole. <laughs> <laughs> that's a left-handed compliment if there ever was one. Oh, that's the movie. Now, here's why uh, I was going to say he's a big personality. Everybody knows him in town for the most part. And he's loosely associated with this Tammany Hall machine, as we've covered in uh, three very, very well-written episodes, I might say. Um, Sickles routinely would lie about his age. So we know that he – we believe he was born in 1819, but uh, he always lies about his age. One of the reasons why he did it – very common back then to lie about your age too. But uh, one of the reasons that he would lie is um, so that he could uh, court younger women. And uh, (laughs) – One of the uh, the moves here, he had a, this gorgeous uh, like. All right, we're talking Knickerbockers, and uh, the Irish are just starting to come over in New York City. Could you imagine what a gorgeous Mediterranean Italian looking what, what what Marissa Tomei would be to early New York? I mean, coming over there, man. That's what we're getting with his wife, who is 15 years old at the time he starts courting uh, her. Who you're being very polite with that whole courting aspect. Uh, <laughs> Well, she was 15, and he was 32, so more than twice her age, and both families were against his courtship of her. But uh, I want to introduce her name real quick, Teresa Baggioli, all right? Dude, that's like now, us in our 30s, being at the mall and seeing these girls walking around the mall and being like, is she 15? Is she 18? Yeah. Either way, I'm going to look the other way. And this guy's (laughs) like, I want that right there. Uh, yeah, and he had met her actually uh, as a when she was a small child, and then comes back later in life to f- see this fifteen-year-old. So you're right, Tris. I mean, <laughs> here you are, a grown man walking around the mall, and you're checking out some sophomore in high school, right? And you're like, yeah. You you're, know, this is definitely raining from personal experience, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, you know, let's be honest. They 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 fifteen year olds dress like twenty year olds dress when I was when I was that age. So you know, so it's it's kind of un, you know uncomfortable. It's like, all right, you know, are you eighteen? Are you fifteen? Either, Where are you either, at? Either way, this is nasty. I'm looking the other way. Why are you dressed <laughs> like this? You know, and this guy is just like, I want it. And I'm going to have it, and that's what I want. Yeah, Dan Sickles, everybody. <laughs> oh, he, he was a hound dog, no doubt. Well, he was a, a known womanizer, like you were saying. So this guy's uh, – he's getting it. Uh, that's the third movie in the trilogy, right? Pretty much. <laughs> he, uh, 
He's moving around. He's uh, seen with prostitutes a lot. He's a friend of uh, the uh, the houses of ill repute, um, if you will. He loves he's, the uh, painted ladies. He uh, he enjoys it, man. And uh, not for nothing, that should speak to you about how hot Teresa was. Because when you hear like, there's a lot of people where um, we'll look at their old photos, and you can sit there and be like, oh, I can see why she would be attractive for the time. And then you look at Teresa, and you're just like, okay, I get it. <laughs> he's not um he's not he called his shot early with her i'll put it that way so that's why uh she's a sophomore in high school by uh, most definitions but he's sitting there and he goes this is an investment um but uh interesting guy here as we were talking about um both families object to the marriage but uh teresa to her credit by the way she's the daughter of a music teacher and she is also um she speaks five languages and, um, and she was convent educated, so uh, she's sweet Polly purebred too. Uh, oh, and it, well, I mean, there's and a looker. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a goofy thing with all that stuff too, because um, I think I, I was going through it the other day. I don't think I've I think I've dated one girl in my life that was not Italian. That there's just that Irish and Italian connection on this one here. So imagine what the Knickerbockers have going on with all that stuff when they've never seen this you know, Mediterranean gorgeous woman. Like I keep saying, Marissa Tomei or a Monica Bellucci of sorts. So uh, now uh, within a few years of the marriage, Sickles is now serving at a high level in U.S. government affairs overseas in the United Kingdom or England as it was known at the time. Um, and he is one of the right-hand men of James Buchanan. Who's James Buchanan, LP? Well, James Buchanan is going to go on to become uh, president. Um, but at the time, he's um, appointed by uh, our president, uh, Franklin Pierce to serve as an ambassador over uh, in England. So Sickles has got connections with the Buchanans. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, when he and Teresa get married, um, initially they have a civil service um, marriage. And then the f- both families, like, flip out, and are, they are, are married in the Catholic Church. So Teresa and uh, Dan are married in the Catholic Church by none other than John Hughes, the Archbishop of New York. So, where we're sixteen uh, candles, John. Yeah, we we got some pretty heavy hitters here involved with uh, with both families. Um, Sickles um, was a a congressman for New York, um, New York State congressman. He uh, is hooking in with uh, James Buchanan. Buchanan is appointed by Pierce to go over to England to be a uh, an ambassador over there, and requests that. Uh, Dan Sickles becomes his secretary or his assistant uh, over in England. Um, there's a lot of objections to that we're going to send this this low-life Sickles to represent the United States over in England. Um, he's already been uh, admonished by the New York State Congress for parading around the, the halls of Congress with uh, known prostitutes and stuff. I mean, he, he's just throwing it in everybody's face. First and, there's Sickles Take Manhattan, and, and really then doesn't. now there's uh, freaking Sickles Takes London. With good old Fanny White. Uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're getting there. Now, Fanny White, fascinating character, too. She is one of the most famous and successful, uh, I believe the, the term was courtesan back then, yeah. uh, which is uh, loosely translates to uh, whore for money. That's right. <laughs> uh, well, if you want to bring in the Sopranos uh, pronunciation, a hua. <laughs> Tony, she was a hua. <laughs> but uh, Fanny White, one of the most famous prostitutes in American history, uh, who's an interesting woman in and of herself. We might revisit her for another episode uh, down the road here. But uh, he actually brought Fanny White over to England with him. Yeah, uh, now, just, just to back that up a bit, Kev, too. Um, Dan Sickles is married, right? He gets married 
both civil service and then a, a Catholic service, um, leaves for England. Oh, by the way, um, Teresa had the, their first child um, seven months after the marriage. So to, <laughs> just just saying, you know that Sickles is early on everything. It might have been. It might have been. <laughs> it might have been another miracle. But uh, anyhow. Um, she uh, has the kid seven months, and her, I believe, uh, the daughter's name is Laura Buchanan Sickles. So he's naming, he's given his daughter's middle name from uh, from Buchanan, same spelling as uh, as uh, James Buchanan. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know whether he's schmoozing Buchanan big time or whatever. But well, imagine if you worked in politics and uh, my middle name was Reagan. You know, <laughs> <laughs> kind of a goofy um, thing with that stuff. Yeah, but he goes over to England and leaves leaves the uh, the newborn child and uh, his new wife behind. Goes over to England with Fanny White, and now is parading around London with Fanny White, and refuses to uh, um, participate in a in a salute or a toast to uh, Queen Victoria. Uh, that didn't go over too well with you know imagine you're a diplomat and you refuse to toast the queen of england and then he introduces miss fanny white not as fanny white but as miss uh fanny bennett and the reason for that is back in new york there's a uh a newspaper publisher by the name of bennett that absolutely they hated one another so now he's introducing this whore to the Queen of England as Miss Bennett. Your biggest rival. So, <laughs> no way. so Tristan, uh, let me ask you a question. You're a married man. Yes. Um, I, I consider myself to be friends with your wife, okay? Uh, and I, I mean that's true because there's people that uh, you have friends that just get married and you can deal with their wife. I actually consider your wife to be a friend of mine, uh, that if I went to her for advice on something, she'd give it to me. Now, a question for you. Um, how would she feel if you said you were going overseas to England for work? <laughs> And uh, you were going – she's pregnant with the kid at home and you're going to take her uh, – you're, you're leaving her at home and you're going overseas with Jenna Jameson. <laughs> <laughs> That's essentially what's going on over here. How would she respond to that? Well, c- considering when she was pregnant, I wasn't allowed to go to my friend's house without hearing that she was pregnant and home with one kid. I think England would be uh, – out of, well, it would well, be one of two things, um, kind of like a, a friend of ours when he was in the Navy. <laughs> you, 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 you go out on ship, and one thing, one, one of two things happens: your wife is there, or she's not. It's what, a, for the record, it's not me we're talking about. Here. Right. This is a friend of ours, Jim McCabe. Jim McCabe, if you're listening, bud, which uh, I'm going to send you the link for this episode. Jim has a fascinating story where he goes, oh, "I thought we had more furniture than this." Uh, oh, when he comes home, yeah. So yeah, that, that's how that would have been. I would have came home and. Uh, I, the, House would have been empty except for the cats. Jesus. There's a, a, a real big empty here. So no England for you. Yeah. No. Yeah, that would have been out of bounds. And then to double down on it, now you're you're out in the open over there with Jenna Jameson. And when they ask uh, what her name is, um, you know, when, in order to present her, you just have to be like, oh, this is – and then you just come up with the name of somebody you hate and present them as a, you know, the, a, a family member of theirs. <laughs> Jenna Padone. Yeah. <laughs> That poor man. If he's listening, well, he's not. Um, but uh, I'm not going to front. This is quite hilarious. This dude, like, I know he's on American Loser, but that's that's kind of a baller move in a in a little bit of a sense. If uh, if you're impressed, Kahuna, uh, 
I am, yeah, 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 you haven't seen I am terrified yet. of what's going to happen here. <laughs> so now uh, it's funny too because uh, Sickles. Um, He's got this gorgeous home uh, over in D.C. when he comes back over. Um, he's plugged in, well-connected, like you said, with uh, Buchanan and uh, Pierce, President Pierce. Right. Uh, who, by the way, is considered one of the worst presidents of all time because yeah. at this time the union is deteriorating. Right. So Pierce is, you know, there's a lot of blame to put why the Civil War actually took place, that it came down to shooting at one another because of Pierce's uh, inability to uh, reconcile with one, with one another. Well, they also allude that um, he is uh, uh, potentially uh, was a gay man that I've heard some uh, reference because he was a bachelor, I believe, his entire time in office. Um, but uh, that's President Franklin Pierce, who he still take care. There's a tribute system here. Tammany Hall didn't invent a tribute system. These guys are all plugged in. They're you know, you do a favor for me, I'll take care of that, and then I'll bring you on with this thing. You know, so it's always a it's always a move. It's like Ming and uh, Kevin Smith. You know what I mean? They uh, they always watch out for each other on that stuff. I appreciate that part of their friendship. Uh, but that being said, um, Sickles is now home in uh, Washington, D.C., not home in New York, but back in the United States. And he uh, buys this gorgeous home over in Lafayette Square. Yeah, but Kenneth, I think you're leaving out that at this particular point, too. Now, he's back from England. Buchanan, through the, through the help of uh, Tammany Hall, and Sickles was definitely plugged into Tammany Hall, um, and Tammany Hall was instrumental in getting Buchanan elected president. Sickles is now a congressman, and Buchanan is president, and Sickles is like his right-hand man. You, you could not get anything done in Washington without going through Sickles to get to Buchanan. So he was the, he was the gatekeeper, if you will, to Buchanan, making appointments and making the wheelings and dealings. So, yeah, he's, he's in Washington, but he's, he's there as a, an elected representative. Well, it's uh, I, and you're right. I did leave that part out here because uh, we're we're doing this on iPad now, so I scroll ahead a little bit too far. We didn't want to, we didn't want to rustle our papers no more. So, um, we, we're we're starting to retire out papers now. We're putting in. We're going green. We've gone uh, green. Going it's going part green. of an initiative on this podcast, um, started by Dr. Kate Lepis, uh, of, uh, a biology PhD. Um, but uh, here's where his larger than life persona gets even fucking bigger. All right. Um, He's got this gorgeous house in Lafayette Square, which is literally within view of the White House. Um, yeah, you it's can across still, the street from the, the White street, House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, I mean, and it, it, it was like the uh, place to live kind of a thing, especially with a lot of the uh, southern representatives. Well, you want to talk about um, an easy commute to work. You know, if you literally <laughs> – right. You know, it's a, it's, I can kind of almost picture Dan Sickles uh, taking the comb through his hair as he's walking across the street. Shit, I'm late. I got a thing. Um, <laughs> it's like sleeping in the trading post and having to walk into the pole for flag. <laughs> <laughs> um, well said. Uh, point is, is that if you have an opinion about Dan Sickles, uh, it was probably a strong one. That's if you hated him or you loved him. Uh, you definitely had a strong opinion about Mr. Dan Sickles. Um, now, uh, one man that uh, he seemed to have uh, – this guy's interesting because he's almost a good contrast to uh, Dan Sickles himself – in that uh, he's also a guy that people have strong opinions about. Uh, Philip Barton Key, uh, known as the handsomest man in all of Washington, is the current district attorney at the time and the son of the writer of the Star-Spangled Banner, Francis Scott Key. All right, so we've unpacked him a little bit here. He's got some notoriety. People people know who he is. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, whether it's uh, socially or 
you know, just admiring him from a distance or whatever. But he's he's got some influence for sure. He's a pretty boy. Uh, and if you look at his picture, he looks like um, he looks like uh, Clive Owen is what I'm going to compare him to. If you look at uh, this guy's portrait, so he looks like uh, Clive Owen with a mustache. Yeah, and, and Dan and Dan and uh, and um, Philip uh, Key, they're buds. I mean, they're 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 palsy wowsy kind of a thing. So they're they're making all the social scenes, and uh, you know, uh, Dan Sickles was not shy about having a good time. Obviously, so. Hey, do you like whores? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I do actually. Do you like drinking and cohorting around with whores? Uh, I I do. Yes, that's correct. Um, we should get into politics, man. <laughs> Did we just become friends? That's, a <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So these two are pals um, until uh, an incident, you know. Uh, I'm going to refer to it as an incident as we continue to unpack this here because half the joy of this show is watching Kahuna's jaw hit the fucking floor when we hit some of the, the bigger notes on the show here. Okay. Um, it's uh, it's going to take a second here, bud. But, uh, so apparently this handsomest man in all of Washington, D.C. is uh, – Pretty much banging his wife, banging Dan Sickles' wife. Uh, so Teresa, this gorgeous Italian girl, um, is now having a, uh, a pretty much out in the open affair yeah. uh, with Philip Barton Key. Yeah, every everyone in DC knew about it except, except for Dan, Dan Sickles, because <laughs> he was he was out and about doing his thing. That uh, actually initially. It was Sickles who asked Key to escort his wife to these various social functions because he was. I don't want to say tied up. That might, <laughs> might give it the wrong slant, but he was involved with other social affairs that, uh, you know, you, a proper lady needed an escort. So who better than the most handsome guy in all of Washington, D.C., but Philip Key. So, you know, he he obliged. He helped He helped old poor Dan out escorting his, his Dan's wife around town. I almost associate it with, because uh, technically they never had a physical relationship um, in the example I'm about to use, but I always uh, likened this to uh, how Tony Soprano had Carmela get driven around by uh, Furio, and she fell in love with Furio, and then, like, Tony's enraged by that, but he's enraged at that when he's finding out because he's pretty much getting a blowjob from a hooker at Satin Dolls. <laughs> <laughs> In this case, Scotty really didn't know. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, uh, so uh, old uh, old uh, you know Philip Barton Key over here, a fascinating guy uh, in his own right, um, starts carrying on this affair. Literally moves across the street into an apartment, uh, which you said is not a not a great place compared no, to his it was gorgeous. A, it was like two blocks away. I think it was on Fifteenth, uh, and it was there was a. Almost an immediate drop off from Lafayette Square to the other parts of town that weren't quite so uh, quite so nice. <laughs> um, that uh, he rents this house specifically to uh, carry on with uh, Dan Sickles' wife Teresa. Well, uh, here's how uh, here's how smooth he was. By the way, what he would do is he would walk out. Um, supposedly, the affair started on Sickles' own couch. That, uh, he in his those, own house, in Sickles' house, in his own house, yeah, right. he, he walked away. And he's like, "Hey, you guys, uh, you guys need anything? I'll be right back." And then goes out, and he's so one track minded of getting around with a uh, cohort and with his pals out in D.C. and you know frequenting, it, having his own good time. That he uh, he's ignoring uh, his wife's needs at the house, and uh, oh, I'll just leave you alone with the handsomest man in all of D.C. Nothing can go wrong here. And uh, I know Philip Barton Key's a good guy because he goes to the whorehouses with me. You know, <laughs> if you can't trust him, who can you trust? So. 
That being said, they go ahead and uh, uh, this affair starts to get carried out, and they get more and more daring as they go on because it's almost like I dare you to catch me. You know what I mean? Oh, damn. Uh, now, Tristan and I worked at a, a scout camp and, um, in the summers, and it was a Cub Scout camp. And one of the fun games we would play is uh, how drunk can we be uh, as lifeguards before people start to notice. <laughs> oh, and, uh, okay. Life, r- <laughs> life roulette. Uh, the answer is they never noticed. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, no. Even when the waterfront director was sleeping on the head at 10 feet away. <laughs> Years ago, though. Let's put that behind us, huh? Oh, yeah. No, that's a, all I want to say is that a good pair of sunglasses can get you through pretty much anything. Um, but. <laughs> But uh, now uh, here we are. Sickles' uh, wife is um, cheating on him. But uh, Philip Barton Key would literally walk out in front of her house, uh, okay, in front of Sickles' own house, and uh, sit on a park bench across the street from the house within view of one of the big windows of their gorgeous house in Lafayette Square here in Washington, D.C., which, by the way, you can't still walk around this area. This yep. is all still right there. Um, and he would wave his handkerchief in the window, <laughs> and that was the signal. It was the, uh, the proverbial sock on the doorknob. Of, uh, you know, hey, what are you doing right now? Right. And, uh, Is the coast clear? Apparently, this would happen. They were so brazen with it and uh, so uh, involved with one another that they would routinely uh, meet up to three times a day. Okay, and uh, let's give credit where credit's due. This is before Viagra, <laughs> right? Before Cialis. This is just, um, you know. Uh, a hot Italian girl, you yeah. know what I mean, which uh, it does things to you. I think at this time too, she's probably about twenty-one, so she's she's prime, finally uh, legal. <laughs> <That's> a, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if that's why Sickles lost interest. <laughs> He's just like, ah, oh, there's, no, there's no thrill anymore. No, well, they won't. No, I'm just curious. Yeah, but he would wave what the does this woman look like? <laughs> oh yeah, she's she's a smoke show. You could tell she's uh, you. Um, there's a. Um, like I said, there's a very good Marissa Tomei quality about her. Um, but For those uh, who didn't just yeah, hear, he, that was my jaw hitting the fucking floor. Jesus. Yeah. 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 Okay. She's the, a dime. Now That's things working. make sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's hot by um, by modern standards, judging her um, back then as well. It's not like she's pretty for the time or anything. Like, this is just a stunning woman. Yeah, if she was on uh, Jersey Housewives, she'd be uh, <laughs> real hot. Star attraction. <laughs> Um, Key would be waving his handkerchief, and then she would return the signal. He would then walk over to, I believe it was 15th, to this house that he rented. And then she would uh, sneak out of Sickle's house and walk over and come into um, to their rendezvous via the back door of uh, this house on 15th and, uh, you know, Start the heen and sheen. There's a backdoor <laughs> joke. That we yeah, I was. It, it just as I was saying it, it came into my head. Like, I, I oh questioned God. myself if I should there's go. There's an there. opening. Oh, oh, there's another one. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, usually it's me getting shit for the dirty stuff I say on the show. And, uh, I like that you finally turned it around on me here, LP. I appreciate right. that. Um, now that being said, uh, this affair is going on out in the open. Everybody knows, like you were saying, Tristan, except for Sickles. So uh, Sickles is unaware of the cheating until he receives a poison pen letter that Sickles reads Sickles doesn't know. Sickles doesn't know. <laughs> yeah, an anonymous poison pen letter. Oh, yeah. So it's, um, you know, in a modern sense, uh, uh, I mean, even then, this affair to be carried out in the open, it's like, uh, it's, just, it's still considered a gross thing, even though we, we're more lacking even though it's and open, moral standards. Even well, though people are like, ooh, what's going on? People are still like, what is he doing? Oh, what's well, she oh, doing? Exactly. There was no Snapchat, so you can get away with stuff like no that. Snapchat. Right? <laughs> no Snapchat. <right. laughs> hey, uh, who's Teresa, and why does she want to know if you're up? <laughs> 
Um, and you also got to remember, too, I mean, this is uh, the Victorian era. So, I mean, uh, just for a woman to be showing her ankle, it's like, oh, man, that's that's hot stuff. <laughs> you know, but, uh, the boundaries were a little more constrained than uh, by today's standards. You got to figure sure. it's a good 40 minutes to get in and out of uh, the dress and the corset <laughs> and all the a lot other of stuff. Buttons. Yeah, so. <laughs> Nothing a good pair of scissors can't handle. Yeah, there's time. <laughs> Um, Bodice ripper. But, uh, yeah, that being said, man, uh, this uh, poison pen letter shows up for uh, Mr. Sickles, who receives it while he uh, – I believe he's at his office uh, in Congress. Um, and he gets a, a letter, a poison pen letter, uh, that includes a phrase that I thought was worth repeating. I assure you, sir, that Mr. Key has as much use for your wife as you do. Oh, wow. <laughs> Who's getting no one, more? No wonder it's anonymous. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. So uh, now that sets off uh, into an absolute rage, our friend Mr. Dan Sickles. He becomes so enraged reading the letter that he has to be calmed down in another room by his friends and coworkers in order to not cause a scene. I mean, this guy's already tabloid fodder. People want to know what he's doing. He's a bit of a celebrity in town. Um, but more of an eccentric celebrity. Now, this next part is where we put this boy into the history books forever. Sickles is so enraged uh, that even though he had been a known womanizer and a solicitor of prostitutes, the idea that his yeah, wait wife... Wait a minute. Yep. The idea that his <laughs> wife cheated on hypocrite. him. Well, I, it was... Uh, he's sitting there, he's like, oh, well, I can go out there and do that, but I still have my wife and I honor my house and I, you know, all that other stuff, blah, blah, blah. And... Um, but That's now his wife can't works. do that. Yeah, his wife can't be doing yeah. that. She's dishonored the household and then it's a... It's always a thing, too. It's almost like... Um, the opening scene of Romeo and Juliet, there's that goofy line uh, where the Montagues and the Capulets, um, that uh, they decide they're going to bite their thumb at the Capulets. And it's an insult if they bear it. So it's not an insult to bite your thumb at somebody. But if they don't correct you on that, you've like now you're sitting there like, well, oh, I took a good slap in the face. You know right. what I mean? So that's like – it's not a – if you give the middle finger to somebody on the parkway. You can go drive away or whatever, and that person has to sit there and be angry for the next hour that they got flipped <laughs> off. I know because it's happened. Um, but, Multiple uh, times. Oh, yeah. I mean you, you've seen me scream at myself in the car before. It gets uh, a little intense here. No, nah, the, the parkway brings out the worst of people. It's, uh, it's not your fault. Well, if you can imagine the parkway on steroids, that's the berserker rage that old Dan Sickles is in right now. <laughs> oh, no. Um, he is losing his shit, all right? Um, now, what happens here is that uh, he goes home. And uh, confronts his wife about the affair. And she breaks down and admits everything. And he actually gets her to write out a confession that is witnessed by two people. All right? They're, they're there for the purpose of being a witness. Huge deal for that one because – I mean this is uh, before the idea of like a prenup and all that other stuff. Uh, so you can't really you – know, there, there's a lot of people who would be like, I was emotionally abused. And – which is an insult to people who are actually emotionally abused. You just got caught cheating. You know what I mean? So uh, the thing with her now is that she's broken uh, by this whole thing. She is uh, – Dan Sickles takes the wedding ring from her, which shatters her universe. This woman is destroyed now because now she's uh, – A, you've alienated the man that uh, is the father of your children. And then on top of that, he's now taken your wedding ring from you. So now everybody – now it's that's almost like a scarlet letter in and of itself that uh, it is an insult if you bear it. So now she's ruined out in public. Everybody knows what's going on here. Like, yeah, okay, I, I was in a cheating relationship, but now it's come to a head. Now everybody knows that I cheated on my husband, and uh, I'm now being punished by my husband. So he's screaming at her or whatever. She winds up sleeping on the floor. You ever sleep on the couch, Tristan? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll put it this way. Tristan, have you slept in your bed any time the month of January? 
at any time in the past five months. No. <laughs> Tristan sleeps in his daughter's bed with a Peppa Pig blanket, and uh, you know, because <laughs> my, my wife and my children to take up my whole bed. So it's, 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 me, it's me, Peppa my cat, Pig. and Peppa Pig. That's right. <laughs> well, yours is uh, yours is just a lack of space. I mean, there's a uh, there's a Tetris vibe going on over there with uh, trying to fit everybody. But now uh, <laughs> Teresa has to sleep on the floor while Dan Sickles sleeps in the master bedroom in his own bed, and uh, the servants in the house are. Uh, they both report hearing crying from both rooms. So where Teresa's sleeping on the floor, she's sobbing. Dan Sickles is sobbing in his room. I mean, this is an emotional thing here for them. Um, now, uh, you know, it, it's almost like a thing, too, where um, it, you ever been blackout drunk, Tristan, and you say you've never been somewhere before, but then you go in during the day and your phone sinks to the Wi-Fi? <laughs> you're like, I was here. <laughs> um, so that's what kind of they're dealing with right now here. Um, now, Sickles had already had been borderline psychotic about the event, um, but he was mumbling and screaming to himself about dishonor, 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 dishonor. Yeah, and it was – what I found interesting too is that there was a little bit of a time lapse um, to the event that's about to unfold here <laughs> in that he called in some of his – entrusted buddies, cronies, advisors, whatever, as to how to proceed because now he's besmirched and disgraced and everything else and he's only come to know of this. But at the same time, there's there's not – he certainly did go into a rage, but there is a bit of a cooling off period that he's now, well, how do I, how do I move forward with this whole thing? So, you know, was this letter written by Teresa – a little bit after that, like he's now calculating what his next move is going to be. So. You guys are hyping up something really messed up, aren't you? <laughs> what um, happens? Well, the, the point is, it, it's the way the story reads. You think it's just a, a moment of pure rage, and it's um, not that it's not a calculated moment of rage, but it's definitely not like a. All right, I'm going to calm down now. It's this is like this is boiling point stuff here. You know right. what I mean? So. Uh, He's getting more calculated with it. And I, I do imagine being one of Dan Sickles' friends. And uh, you get the phone call late at night. You got to tell your wife, eh, I got to go. Uh, yeah, you know that thing with Teresa and, you know, Philip Barton Key? Yeah, Dan found out. I got to go. It's, <laughs> I got shit to do. Um, Sickles now sees. Um, this is the next day now. Yeah, the next yeah. day. So we, we daylight. Just, there is that time. Right, broad daylight. Right, middle of the night. story. Um, <clears throat> the next day, Philip Barton Key sits outside on a park bench. Outside of the window that he would normally signal Teresa from and throws the handkerchief up in the air. He clearly unaware that Dan has found out about the two of them. Is watching out the window. Yep. <laughs> His call went unanswered. And then uh, again later in the day, he tries again until finally a third time he goes back there to try to you know greet Teresa. Which, again, that's a testament to how hot this chick had to be. I mean, when you're sitting there and you're willing to go back three different times, you're like, oh, come on, man. Come on. It's my Tuesday. Come on. We got to do this. Michael K is coming on. Um, <laughs> Anyway, as they're sitting there, they um, they go ahead and they, they move on to uh, uh, this third time. He's now greeted by the Sickles family dog. Okay? The Sickles family dog. Yeah, the Sickles, Dan's own dog runs out to greet Key as if he's their old buds kind of a thing. So it's, he's not barking at the stranger. He's going out to lick his hand or something, you know? That uh, goes back to that Wi-Fi thing where you tell your wife, oh, I've never been to this bar before. Look, oh, what a cute little right. place. And it's like, hey, KP. Right. <laughs> oh, oh. The dog is like, oh, well, uh, Key, uh, you're the guy that was boffing the, uh, the the lady of the house on the, on the uh, living room couch. Like in Goodfellas when it was, uh, what was it, uh, Thursdays were for girlfriends, Fridays were for wives. 
that uh, they'd walk into the the Copacabana and then the the greeter, the host of the restaurant, would be like, "Oh, we haven't seen you in weeks. How are you?" <laughs> so Sickle sees the man and just goes into a fucking rage. He's fuming, um, screaming about dishonor, dishonor. Sickles grabs two Derringer pistols, which, just for reference, are two shots each. Okay, little tiny pistols. Uh, very popular in um, cities and everything like that because uh, you could be up close and personal in a city. It wasn't quite like the uh, the Wild West where you had to, you know, worry about the Indians coming in on you. But you could also carry it in the in your vest pocket or whatever too, mm-hmm. easily yeah, concealed. Small, uh, right. Handy. Um, marches out to uh, Key, screaming, "Key, you scoundrel! You must die!" Fires the first shot at him. First shot grazes Key, who's panicked now. We're in broad daylight. There's witnesses around. In Lafayette Square. In Lafayette. Literally <laughs> right Lafayette across po- from yeah. the White House. Literally, the White House can see what you're doing. Okay? Trump's watching from the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> a, uh, a scuffle breaks out uh, as uh, Key is panicked now and starts begging for his life. A scuffle breaks out. And there's a little bit of a, if you want to talk about what a, a pretty boy um, Philip Barton Key was. Uh, he's rumored to have thrown his opera glasses. Yeah, he threw his glasses at him. <laughs> <laughs> Don't shoot me. Um, so uh, he goes ahead and he, he throws that at him. He, uh, <laughs> the pistol drops. The first Derringer drops. Now the uh, second pistol he picks up and uh, he goes to uh, uh, take another shot here. Uh, catches um, – you- <laughs> If you want to shoot the man that's bopping your wife. He pulled the butters on him. Yeah. <laughs> uh, went ahead and shot him in the groin. He shot him in the dick. Okay. Now, whether it's intended or not is not known, but I do think it's apropos. Um, so goes ahead, shoots them uh, in the groin. Uh, Philip Barton Key falls to the ground, goes, oh, I've been shot. <laughs> he can't believe it here. There's witnesses all around. Sickles goes to shoot the next shot now. And – uh the gun jams. These Derringers are not very reliable. So now, Philip Barton Key, bleeding out of his crotch, just trying to get a little tail, trying to sneak in for his afternoon delight with a married woman. And now her husband is calmly standing over him, reloading his Derringer. <laughs> so you're just sitting there, and you're like, God, is it, it's like a load time for your own death. You know what I mean? A load screen is on. And he's sitting there, uh, takes the Derringer, puts it right up to his chest, pulls the trigger, bam. All right? But it's a Derringer, small caliber bullet, not a big uh, propulsion on that one or anything like that. So uh, doesn't kill him right away. So he's sitting there. So now uh, he takes the gun, puts it up to his temple. And just like uh, listeners of the show who listen to our Bugs Moran episode, Jaime the Pole and Bugs Moran uh, attempt to perform what is known as the coup de grace, the kill shot on uh, Johnny Torrio by putting the gun up to his head. And then the gun jams. All right. Same thing happens here. Gun jams again. And Sickles just like, fuck it, throws the thing away. Realizes he's killed Philip Barton Key, okay? But Philip Barton Key is still alive. He walks away, and uh, literally in broad daylight, everybody's seeing this shit here, and uh, goes and turns himself in, but he's mumbling the entire time about dishonor, dishonor. And he keeps saying, he, he violated my bed. He violated my bed. Clearly, a ranting and raving lunatic, which will become important for the second part of this story. <laughs> Sickles, the next chapter. Yeah, it's, the, it's the OJ effect. I don't know if I liked that version of the Harry Potter movie. I don't, I don't, I don't like this one. It yeah, is the, the second one was better. But he's walking away and he's, uh, you know, he is laying on the ground bleeding out. He's already got two shots in him. They, they cart him off and Sickles um, then turns himself in to the uh, local prosecutor. Um, so, you know, things are not looking for Key. He later died. A couple hours later, Key dies. So now... So he did kill him. Yeah. <laughs> and then, oh, he, oh absolutely, he absolutely did kill him. Um, meanwhile, there's a White House page uh, by the name of Barrett's from North Carolina 
who happened to be walking by at the time, and he witnessed the entire thing, witnessed the shooting. So being a White House page, what are you going to do? You're going to immediately run back with this latest news and tell your boss, the president, <laughs> James Buchanan, <laughs> what just transpired. Hey, boss, if I, um, if I saw uh, someone shoot someone in the street and, uh, and they both work for you, yeah. you'd want to know about that, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah hey, boss, uh, Dan Sickles, you know, your, your right-hand man, the guy that's like – one of the second most powerful guys in all of Washington under your uh, tutelage, if you will, or under your umbrella. Mm -hmm. He just, he just killed, uh, he just killed Key. Uh, right outside. Sorry, right, well, where did he right kill Key? Right across the street. Right across the street. Park. Um, and Buchanan immediately reaches into his pocket and pulls out money and tells this guy, get out of here, get out of town before, uh, before the authorities uh, show up and, and call you in as a witness kind of a thing that, uh, you know, you got a presidential cover-up big time but that's really? being funded by the president to uh, <laughs> tell this witness to, to uh, make yourself scarce. Oh, you've been working so hard lately. You just take <laughs> a little bit of money. <laughs> a, Why don't you get out of town for a little bit? You know, you're yeah. seeing things. But he's completely unaware, by the way. Holy crap. In Buchanan's bribing of, uh, of this guy here in that presidential cover-up, He's unaware that this shit went down in broad daylight. Everybody knows what's going on here, man. You can't lie about something that everybody right. saw. Plus, the whole town already knew that the the wife was uh, in delecti there with Mister Key. So it was like, you know, when is it, when is Dan going to find out? Well, <laughs> Dan found out and <laughs> went into a rage and <laughs> didn't end well for Mister Key. So there's a presidential cover up for someone who has campaigned on his behalf. And the Sickles house, by the way, was a. Uh, I mean, if you were well to do in society and you were plugged into things. You'd get invited over to the Sickles' house all the time. Yeah, they were they were known for the the party house. They always had the the, the, the most grandeur uh, social affairs at the, at the Sickles' house. Yeah, not to keep going back to the Sopranos too, but I, I do think that there's a Genie Cusimano effect for Audie. Uh, <laughs> um, now Sickles, for his part, owned what he did. He uh, literally turned himself in, uh, and he walked into his wife, and his first words to her after the shooting were simply, "I've killed him." So now she's sitting there. She, now her, her lover is now dead because her husband, uh, you know, found out about it and shot the guy. I mean, that's got to be that's got to be a weird feeling going on over there, man. She can't be settled in on anything because uh, a you're terrified, but also you're like, man, this guy really loves me. Yeah, yeah. and I just I just wrote the whole confession uh, to having the affair um, last night when you made me sleep on the floor and we're in separate rooms and everything else. So yeah, she's. Uh, She's not doing too uh, too well right now. One way to avoid the awkward conversation of uh, having to see Philip again after uh, you know the confession to the uh, the affair is the the fact that um, your husband just shot him. Yeah. <laughs> so you got that going on here. Now we got to start speeding up a little bit because this is like I said, Sickles' life happens in chapters, and this is just the most interesting chapter uh, of the early stuff. Oh, is this the movie where we skip like twenty years? Into the future, see yeah. where he's up to. You won't recognize this guy by the end of the story. <laughs> Sickles' trial Tried. is about to become as famous as the incident here himself. Sickles had a crack team of eight of the country's finest lawyers, including several Tammany men. Because when you're Tammany, you're Tammany for life, baby. Okay. Right. Right. So, you got to protect your own. the trial of the century. got to protect your investment. It was. The trial is uh, excellent uh, on that one here as well, man. It's uh, Now, Philip Barton Key was the district attorney. So – if you want to make sure that you have an easy case and the guy you're going up against is the district attorney, why not shoot him and then have the case be him trying to defend himself? <laughs> so 
Now his um, his replacement was uh, his second in command. What's the guy's name, Dad? That sounds uh, like a hell of a Law and Order episode. It, uh, it was. There's <laughs> a lot of Old. dun dun. Robert Old was the uh, the prosecutor, and clearly outmatched. Eight of the finest uh, lawyers in the country come yeah. together here. Now, and the leading the leading lawyer out of that team of eight was a guy by the name of Edwin M. Stanton, who's a close friend both of Sickles and the president. So. Buchanan definitely has got a hand in who he's picking on this. <laughs> and uh, Stanton was appointed uh, the very next year as Attorney General of the United States. So, you know, he was he was rewarded for a job well done in, in the, in the defense of uh, of Mr. Sickles. Well, imagine I, I've got Tristan's back no matter what. We've been friends way too long for that stuff. But you guys have too much dirt on one another. <laughs> well, that part's good too. That ensures silence. Um, That's right. But uh, that being said. Um, it's got to be a tough assignment to defend the man who uh, openly admits to shooting the other guy. But uh, Kardashian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting gig, though, isn't it? So now um, Sickles is fascinating here because they decide that uh, they're going to go ahead uh, and they're framing the argument a certain way for him in what's going to become a, a very famous thing. But it's important to note that public support is largely behind Sickles for this thing. That literally one of the things that they were saying is, oh, thank God, uh, he saved all the other wives of D.C. from the flirtatious <laughs> Philip Barton King. Nobody really liked this guy. You know what I mean? He's a pretty boy. The women swoon over him. It's kind of like um, it's like my buddy Nate. Everybody used to hate him because girls responded to him very well, and he never understood why. He goes, I don't understand. Everybody just hates me. All I do is just – I just take their girlfriends from him, and all of a sudden I'm an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> You're sending the link to him too? Uh, <laughs> nah, he listens already actually, um, which I enjoy. Uh, now, Sickles' defense here um, is the public support is largely behind him. His crack team of lawyers, the first use in American history of the temporary insanity. Get defense. the hell out of here. <laughs> no freaking way. Our boy Dan Sickles is the first case, my friend. And uh, they go ahead and they talk about that the, uh, the cheating and the infidelity has caused this irresistible impulse to defend his honor in a transport of frenzy, which resulted in the killing, the passion honor killing of Philip Barton Key by Dan Sickles. So Sickles is now acquitted of the murder. So his defense worked. It worked. They said temporary insanity and it worked. Of course they're going to try it again. The you know Chewbacca I mean? defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, public opinion was definitely with Sickles. I mean, everybody was cheering for this guy. After all, he was defending the uh, honor of his of his household and his 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 name, even though he's a, the biggest freaking whoremonger in, in, all, in all of the United States probably at this point that, uh, you know, it was good for the goose but not for the gander kind of a thing that uh, he's got to defend uh, he's got to defend his honor and well, his family's honor. Well, your boy Stan now that you're talking about, his lead attorney, literally dances a jig in the courtroom when they get him acquitted. Right. Now, imagine being Philip Barton Key's family and you're just like, all right, this is, this is a bit much, guys. All right? This is an insult here. Uh, Philip was a good man. Yes, he was a you know, yes he was involved with women who were married, and he you know, flirted where he probably shouldn't have. Maybe he deserved what he got, but I don't need you guys dancing in the courtroom when his murderer is going free. Hey, are, are you guys? Is there a parade going on outside? Yes, yes, there was. There's a parade in the there's a parade in the streets when the uh, when the acquittal was announced. The U.S. Marine Corps band played in the parade celebrating the acquittal of Dan Sickles murdering in broad daylight <laughs> under the defense of temporary insanity. Philip Barton Key, the son of the man who wrote the Star Spangled Banner. All right, you can't get away with, but it worked. It yep. worked. Yep. 
Absolutely. Public supporters, all sorts of behind sickles here. They absolutely love him. Uh, it's a hero. It's a man to be uh, not admired, but a man to be celebrated. And uh, then public opinion turns on him very quickly. The crowd is fickle, Kahuna. The crowd is fickle. He forgives his wife, and everybody turns on him. They can't believe yeah, the weak character later. that Teresa is now back. I mean, again, that's got to be a statement how hot this chick was. I mean, he takes her back. Yep. Takes her back, uh, gives her the wedding ring back and everything. She's now fully um, uh, back in uh, his household, if you will, uh, in terms of esteem as well. You guys have just gave me the greatest inspiration for a Law & Order spec script. <laughs> I am so happy right now. I'm getting work this year, and it's, it's uh, all because of y'all. <laughs> it, it's a passion crime here, too, which is uh, you know ripe for the Law & Order stuff. But that's like the halfway point. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Are you serious? We're only fifty yeah. percent of the way through. Yeah. Public yeah, opinion, though. Once he takes, uh, once he forgives uh, Teresa for her indiscretions. Never mind all the indiscretions that he had. But he takes her back, um, and public opinion is like, wait a minute. You know, I, I, you, she's the one that dishonored you, and now you're taking her back. And you know, that public opinion took a, a, a huge downturn with that. That everybody was against Sickles now. And this is only you know a short time later, a few months later. Oh yeah, you were uh, you were the the topic du jour for a minute, and everybody loved you, and then uh, then it ended. Um, now in order now his return to a quiet life doesn't quite last either. <laughs> Dan's not a quiet guy. No. How old is um, he at this point? Uh, I don't know, but he uh, I will say this: he lives to the ripe old age of ninety four. Get the hell out okay, of here! No is, way. Which is ninety four is good for twenty nineteen standards. Okay. Nine, this is what was it? His eighteen hundred. The Civil War era. Yeah, yeah I know. Was it like nineteen fourteen? I believe or something. I like got the that. date uh, for the uh, for the bookend on this one here, but uh, like we said, it happens in chapters. He got and to see the Titanic sink. Well, as, uh, as Tristan also said too, this is um, his story. Now this temporary insanity thing, that's a movie in and of itself. Yeah. The second movie would be Dan Sickles, Civil War hero. <laughs> <laughs> All right, the outbreak of the Civil War offers a new opportunity to expand his fortune and then also probably return his name to a hero status. So this the, guy's funeral must have been all over the place. People were like, "Oh, it was huge." No, are you well, serious? His funeral. Yeah, but don't tell me there's an interesting story well, there too. There's all, there's all kinds of yeah, yeah, yeah. fun facts in between. Uh, oh my god, shooting key and uh, his his actual. Also, death. the interesting facts are the spinoff movies in this fucking saga. Of this well, it's guy. like we said, if uh, whoever you were, whether you loved him, or you hated him, if you had an opinion on Dan Sickles, it was going to be a strong one and an impassioned one because he brought out <laughs> he was a charismatic guy, man. Because of that, he's actually very good at uh, recruiting. Uh, so if you could raise troops up, you could become the leader of the troops, and then you could be heroically leading men into battle and uh, you know, regaining some of that hero status that he had lost by taking his wife Teresa back. And I don't think he wanted to be known as the uh, temporary insanity guy his entire life. I think he wanted to nah. – he was an ambitious fellow. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. So, um, I mean in the next election, he's reelected by uh, the Tammany uh, Democrats. Um, and at the time, the Tammany Democrats really supported the South. So I mean Sickles – from New York, New York had a, a huge financial interest in supporting uh, southern southern interests with the cotton and the manufacture of uh, goods and everything else. But uh, Fernando Wood of Tammany Hall, the first Tammany mayor, wanted New York to be a free city so they continue to do business with um, the South. Yeah, and then once the, once the South fired on Fort Sumter, which was the start of the of the Civil War, uh, things things made another turn. Somebody else's bad 
turned into sickles good type of thing that he was able to spin things around by somebody else's calamity well also when um when the south leaves it takes with it some of the finest generals uh, a lot of the military men the true so now a lawyer from new york city with a little bit of a limited background in the military who is still most famous for shooting a guy in the street uh you think he's good at you know with a derringer shooting, shooting the guy in the street in the balls <laughs> wait till you see what he does with a howitzer um yeah so they go ahead and uh, he winds up becoming the lead of the Excelsior Brigade of Excelsior. New York City. Excelsior. Excelsior. <laughs> yeah, but he was also a millionaire, though. Like he 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 raised not only like a, a I forget which one's smaller, not a, a brigade, but a whole battalion. Uh, he winds up becoming the leader of the Third Corps uh, later on. Eventually, in the story. yeah, but uh, initially, with South Carolina, you know, firing on Fort Sumter and the start of the Civil War. Now Lincoln is the president. And he's in need of troops, like, immediately. So Lincoln calls for 75,000 people to sign up um, to help defend the Union and all this kind of stuff. New York is probably one of the largest um, areas, populations in the Union. And Dan Sickles has still got all these Tammany Hall um, tie-ins. So he's he's able to go back to New York and start raising troops. So he, he quits the Congress, goes back to New York, tr- tries to raise troops, comes up with uh, a whole um, brigade, which is a lot of guys. Um, he's a quality recruiter, too, because he was a big personality. So yeah. People, and uh, he was so enthusiastic about the patriotic effort of preserving the Union that now a guy who was a Buchanan uh, guy and a Pierce guy is now getting praised on his patriotism by Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> All right, so not bad. If you want to talk about reaching across the aisle here. Um, <clears throat> now that being said, um, LP, you got something? To add. Tristan, read that for us real quick. Um, it is uh, the chart above represents a typical late war Union army structure. So it's a regiment, a brigade, a division, a corps, and the entire army. So yeah, he eventually they wanted him to eventually give them a regiment, but he came up with a whole brigade. <laughs> right. Actually, he was so successful. Now. <laughs> Again, politically, this, the governor of New York is um, a Republican. Sickles is a Democrat. New York City is primarily Democratic, but the rest of New York is Republican. So now you've got a Republican governor trying to raise troops for Mr. Lincoln, but a Democrat is more successful at that than uh, the rest of the state. And, I mean, he, he overextended what he really wanted to do that – the uh, Republican governor is now like, oh, wait a minute, you better slow this down because, uh, you know, the rest of upstate New York is, is um, don't want to be associated, especially with the with the dirty Irish of uh, of New York City, which was the predominant. Which, for the which record, the Irish uh, in 2019, still dirty. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, that's an excellent point, too, here. Now, Sickles goes ahead and he is uh, now in charge of this um, loosely. It was it was took a while to get him uh, uh affirmed in command, if you will, because uh, uh, people, again, had these very strong opinions about him. Now, we've got to keep moving forward here just for the sake of brevity on the show. But uh, Sickles uh, missed several early battles of the war because of his ability to, A, not be confirmed as the, uh, the standalone leader of the Excelsior Brigade. And also, he was so good at recruiting. Why are we going to waste this guy's talent on the battlefield where he's just a fucking lawyer um, when we could actually have him in there, you know, uh, sounding the song, if you will, and getting everybody uh, involved with the war here? So now Sickles becomes a, a close friend and ally to Major Major General Joseph Hooker. Um, TJ yeah, Hooker. that Hooker. <laughs> yeah. No, not TJ. <laughs> this guy and Hookers, man. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. You well, said something about Hookers? No, no, you're working for the Hooker. General Hooker. 
not that, hookers in general. It's that, uh, it's, that, it's that Dilbert bit you were talking about earlier. Heel, please. Yeah. Um, so now, uh, Hooker, this is hilarious, too. Uh, Hooker and uh, Sickles' army tents, while they were out in battle, if you will, not necessarily in battle, but encampment for battle, uh, more closely resembles a bordello than a military effort. <laughs> a lot of whores and everything like that coming in, um, prostitutes, uh, booze. And I mean, these guys were, wherever they go, the party went with them. All right. Yeah, Hooker was noted for having his uh, camp followers, his uh, his the ladies' brigade, if you will, <laughs> who uh, um, take care of the soldiers' needs. I like uh, to envision they're all dressed as Rosie the Riveter. Um, <laughs> no, not quite. <laughs> Hooker eventually made Sickles the corps commander of the Third Corps, like Tristan was saying here, which made Sickles the only man without a West Point education in charge of that number of troops. Sickles had requested and argued for a different allocation of troops and positions during what would become Hooker's greatest defeat in battle at Chancellorsville, which is uh, a union. I mean, if you read about Hooker, they say, uh, you know, pretty solid general, except for Chancellorsville. Holy shit, did he fuck up at Chancellorsville. It is considered an absolute uh, union disgrace and ultimately the last victory of Confederate legend Stonewall Jackson, who pretty much caught them literally with their pants down and just delivered an ass whooping. Yeah, that was a a brilliant military uh, move now. Early on in the Civil War, the Union was getting the shit kicked out of them because they had incompetent general after incompetent general. And the the history of one and done that you'd have the, the, the new guy that's in charge in the entire army, he would fight his first major battle, lose it, and then they would go on to, to a new general. So at Chancellorsville. It's almost like um, the, the Jets versus the Giants coaching job is that the, the Giants will keep, you know stick with their guy Robert E. Lee was going to be in for a long time here and then you probably kept him a little bit too long towards the end where Tom Coughlin had to go to Jacksonville. Right. Um, but uh, the Jets would just fire, 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 fire. And so hopefully, literally as we're recording this, the Giants, uh, the Jets have just announced a new head coach as well. So uh, we'll see what uh, Mr. Gase does for uh, the old uh, gang green. But uh, like you said, man, they, they move on a, a pretty... They're changing uh, who's in command quite often here. And Dan Sickles is held out of some of the early battles here. Finally yeah. gets his shot. Yeah, well, Hooker Hooker gets promoted to be in charge of the entire army, not just his, uh, his um, corps. And when Hooker gets promoted to the entire army, Mr. Sickles comes up and now is in charge of the third corps. Um, so he, he gets promoted or dragged along. At this particular point in time, the whole army is divided into various corps. Every one of the corps is being led by a professional soldier or a West Point graduate, except for Mr. Dan Sickles in the Third Corps. He's the only guy that's a political appointee, if you will. And the reason why he is in that position is simply because of the great job that he did in recruitment. It was given to him begrudgingly, and his appointment was given begrudgingly by by Congress or to being uh, um, acknowledged by Congress. But now it's at Chancellorsville. Hooker is finally one of the Union generals that's going on the attack rather than a defensive kind of a thing, uh, uh, holding, waiting, you know, we're not ready yet. Hooker finally goes on the attack, but then like halfway through starts to go on a defensive thing. And Sickles... neutral zone defense. Right. Sickles is very much involved with the loss at Chancellorsville, which leads to Hooker being removed from command. So there's a loss at Chancellorsville where 
Sickles was ordered to give up the high ground. He went out to attack what he thought was the Confederates retreating. Turns out it was Stonewall Jackson's end-around move <laughs> that, um, you know, Sickles misread it. They weren't retreating. They were trying to attack what was the, the Union's right flank and completely overran the, the right flank. A guy by the name of Howard was in charge of that right flank and so they, they just they, got So they overrun. flee flicker because they, they think they're protecting against the run and then all of a sudden they throw <laughs> it all go. back to Eli who's sitting it downfield. There you go. So yeah. now Chancellorsville is over. It comes back in a big disgrace that the Union loses once again, once again, and now we're off. Now that's in May, right, May of 1863. And now they're going off, and then Robert E. Robert E. Lee, old Bobby Lee, now takes the fight into the north and heads towards a little town in Pennsylvania called Gettysburg. I'll let you take it from there, Kev. No, I hear you. And again, this is um, we're, we're keeping Mr. Sickles here to a, a, a one solid episode. And uh, because of that, we have to um, we have to move forward here. But uh, I think Dan Sickles would be okay with it. Um, <laughs> We'll you're talking along. about you're talking about Dan. You're talking about me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm good with that. Go ahead. So Dan Sickles uh, now uh, he finally gets the battle he desires over here at this little town of Gettysburg. Sickles disobeys the direct orders of General George Meade by moving his troops forward past Cemetery Ridge and into the Peach Orchard, more than a mile out of his ordered position. <laughs> no, okay. not just about a mile. Yeah, uh, it's uh, important. But, that you noted that. Yeah. Um, well, uh, well, <laughs> just trying to be giving you some. Uh, a fact check for it, Kevy. So all. no, I hear you. Um, so he goes ahead. It, nonetheless, don't fucking disobey the general's orders, and then don't do it so blatantly that you can. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said not. You know. Oh, mile marker 142. That's great. Yeah, okay. right. So you missed an entire exit on the parkway. <laughs> yeah. So now goes ahead. Uh, he's moved his men too far forward, and he can't order them back in time because the Confederates are already moving uh, uh, in to attack him. He moved himself uh, far forward because he was in a depression, not in a, in a mood depression, but. Where he was, he thought his men were going to be shooting uphill and because of what you were saying earlier at Chancellorsville because of the, the ground that was lost by Hooker. Um, he wanted to make sure that his men weren't uh, shooting uphill in that little depression, if you will. So he goes ahead and moves his men forward to more uh, favorable ground. And, oh, and he uh, thought it was going to be favorable ground. But... And the result is the absolute destruction of the Third Corps. He broke the line. He broke the he line. He broke the line. Right. Now, if it wasn't for a guy named Governor Kimball Warren, they would have uh, realized that uh, Little Round Top uh, was completely – um, left in the open here, uh, which is uh, the swinging gate movement. So uh, those who have seen the movie Gettysburg will know that that was where Chamberlain in the 20th Maine, I believe. Yes. Um, that's where they had their that legendary charge moment of the swinging uh, gate defense. Um, but uh, Sickles goes ahead and moves his men forward, and uh, it's too late, guys. Sorry, we can't. You know, right. We can't bring you back now. Just right. hang out, hang out. It'll be okay. Had he Over- stayed where he was, they would have had a a tough time of it, no doubt. Once the Confederates did attack, but. Um, the distance within that line, within that federal line, would have been a whole lot shorter. By him moving forward, now he's stretching his men even thinner than what he was originally positioned or supposed to be. And they they couldn't connect to the left or to the right. So now you've got this third core out in the middle of nowhere. And now they can be attacked from two different sides kind of a thing. And they, they got overrun. Gets the ever-loving shit kicked out of him, Tristan. That too. <laughs> they get the ever-loving shit kicked out of him. The complete destruction of the Third Corps, over 4,000 casualties. That means uh, dead, wounded, and missing. Yeah. So um, you're going in with 10,000 guys, and you're you're coming away with, uh, you know, 4,000 of those guys uh, 
not fit for service to, to answer the call. So 40% casualty rate, that's not good. I like to picture Dan Sickles uh, standing there saying, oh, how could this day get any worse? <laughs> well, it does. <laughs> and then he gets hit with a 20-pound fucking cannonball to the leg. One in a million shot. One, yeah. <laughs> One in a million shot. I, like, I, was, I, was read, I was listening about this on the way here. Um, he was describing it in one of his journals. Uh, he f- he felt down. He, ne- he was never dehorsed. This was a cannon shot. He was never dehorsed. Felt down. Felt blood. Felt something warm. Realized it was blood, and then slinked <laughs> off his horse. Right. <laughs> there was a leg there a minute ago. <laughs> He was on a horse. Yeah, he was mounted on a and horse. And the horse served, the horse walked away unscathed. <laughs> but it took his, took his leg off. Shattered his leg. It's almost like um when I think it was Randy Johnson uh threw that fastball that uh you just saw a, a puff of feathers. <laughs> the the bird. When the bird yeah. flew in, it happened to be that perfect timing for everything. And um so, like you said, million to one shot here. I did not know about the horse, by the way. That's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, Sickles gets that 20-pound cannonball of the leg. His leg's absolutely mangled, and he's getting uh, taken off the field of battle here. Uh, not a good feeling for when you you got your um, – Your commander. Yeah. I mean, this is the guy that's supposed to be taking care of you here, and he's getting taken off uh, uh, via a gurney. Um, so in order to keep his troops calm and show that all is not lost, he lights a cigar because he's Dan Yo, Sickles. In my head, I was literally like, "How? Well, he's Dan Sickles. He has to be. He has to get off the battlefield right. in a boss kind hey, of way." Nothing. It's something. Right. Something in my head clicked. Like he was definitely smoking a cigar. And then the minute you said it, I was just like, "Yes, pops a cigar." So it's a Monty Python. Ah, it's just a flesh wound. Yeah. And the, the, key too, the key here as well is that uh, by his men seeing the cigar smoke coming out of Sickles, they're like, okay, maybe it's not that bad. Maybe he's going to be okay here. So that actually uh, alleviates some of the concern of his men that are left over. They're still dealing with a shit day. Don't get it wrong. Oh, yeah. Some of the bloodiest fighting of the entire battle. I'm not going to lie. It right is there. oddly calming. Like, <laughs> it's, it's weird. Now, uh, it was probably one of the most furious battles of the entire Civil War as far as cannon fire is mm-hmm. concerned, too, because that particular area on the Peachfield. I mean, cannon fire. What battle was this called Gettysburg. Oh, this okay. But we're in the the peach. John field. August is going to have a field day with you. <laughs> yeah, and uh, there was also another section called the wheat field, and the wheat field was like maybe eighteen acres, and the battle went back and forth over two or three hours, where um, I think there was like six thousand dead in the wheat field. You see, well, Jesus. the ebb the ebb and flow went back and forth six times. That by estimates that at the end of the day you could not walk across the wheat field without stepping on somebody. Well, uh, <laughs> um, Mr. So Sickles it was, retired it was fast early. And furious. Uh, yeah, Mr. Sickles retired early from this one. Now I'm a. I, sometimes I can be a calm guy. Um, Kahuna, uh, we're talking about Sickles doing it in a boss way. Uh, you find out you're about to lose your leg because you got a very complicated wound that needs to be turned into a uh, a very simple wound. So they amputate his leg in order to avert um, having to deal with the, the tiny, uh, uh, small amounts of surgery that would have to be required with um, yeah, they pretty didn't much have caveman that, tools. They didn't yeah, have that is, technology. This is 1800 no surgery. Right. Like, Literally, you're, you're, you're going to be in pain hacking. for the rest of your life. This is when you get the whiskey and the saw and, and the, the bit to bite down on. Absolutely. Oddly, uh, Sickles oh. is sitting there, cigar in hand, uh, calmly drinking wine as he has his leg amputated. <laughs> All right. So they go ahead and they uh, – not not he probably screamed a little bit, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah. All right. But uh, they go ahead and they uh, they chop off his leg, and uh, now um, that wound uh, on his leg, rather, uh, he takes the leg and keeps it 
because he's Dan Sickles and nothing makes sense. <laughs> Keeps the leg, has it preserved in whiskey. Okay. Uh, the leg is later sent via a coffin-like box, yeah. a little tiny, like almost like a like an American girl doll would come right. out of. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, sent the box to the uh, the Army Medical uh, Hospital, the museum, which yeah, would yeah. later be turned into the yeah. National Medical Museum. Correct, uh, with an inscription reading, "Compliments of Major Dan Sickles." So, uh, and it's his freaking leg. It's his freaking leg. Well, I think yeah. it was DES. It was DES. He went by DES, which yeah. is funny. I'm too, morbidly uh, curious. Is it still around? Yes. Yes. It you is. can still go see. Actually, what's funny is I was learning about this on the way up here. Um, he would go and visit the leg. <laughs> And he would bring his friends oh, yeah. with him. So like, oh well, there's old Whitey. There she is. You know, hey, right. you guys want to go to a museum? Right. Sure. They walk to the to his part. They're like, oh my god, what the yeah, fuck is that? That's my leg, motherfuckers. <laughs> he would bring friends to the to visit the leg. I'm uh, so dope. My leg is in a museum. <laughs> it's a bizarro world um, version of the. Christmas story uh, lamp. <laughs> there you go. It's a major award. Be, only because we were talking about them earlier. It, it, it's French. Matt Stone, Trey Parker, <laughs> get right. on this biopic. <laughs> so, Sickle, we're not even uh, – oh, now, we had a couple footnotes here we have to hit on our way out for the show. But um, that is the big ticket item here of what fascinated me with Sickles is that he was a, uh, a kind of a um, – uh, I mean, a buffoon in terms of moving his men forward that way led to a lot of their casualties. But you lose a leg, it's hard to come down on somebody when they just right. lost their leg. <laughs> right. So now the narratives. Anybody uh, he, else would have been court-martialed by moving his his troops forward. Not only did he move his troops forward out of position where he was told to go, but he never let anybody else know in higher command as to where he was going. Kind of, <laughs> and he just did all of this on his own. But as it turns out. Um, because you know you get your leg shot off, he's already paid a pretty serious price. He was not court-martialed because of the the leg wound. And uh, some historians argue, as we talked about on the right. ride down ourselves, um, that uh, because of him moving his men forward that way, it actually messed with how the Confederates were responding to him because they weren't prepared to see a man that far ahead of the rest of the line. Right. So you're like, oh, what the hell's going on over here, man? This kind of so because of that. Um, they actually, the, the historians still to this day debate whether or not Sickles was actually uh, creating an advantage for later on in the battle. Um, yeah, there's there's some experts. I mean, Gettysburg is the most studied battle mm -hmm. in uh, in all of uh, uh, American history, type of thing, or what went on with Gettysburg. International so acclaim as well. Our little podcast here is not going to bring any new light to the, the Battle of Gettysburg. But what was interesting is that – Way to shit some, on the product. <laughs> <laughs> there's some experts that think that because he it's did move his troops out forward, the Confederates came upon them long before they anticipated hitting the federal lines. So some people say that you know he screwed up, definitely screwed up, but because he screwed up – it probably saved saved the day for the Union on on the second day battle of the of Gettysburg. He's got a little visitor too that comes by to see him as his leg's been removed. Uh, Abraham Lincoln, yeah, comes by to see what's going yeah. on over here. Brings Tad with him too, so you know you're not in the doghouse anymore when the president and his son come in to check in on you and praise your heroism. And they were they were they were friends back before the Civil War when he was you know in the midst of. Uh, shooting key and everything else back in the days of uh, early Washington days that um, he was invited. He and his wife, Teresa, were invited to seances with uh, Mary Todd Lincoln. And, you know, so that they had more That's than after the war, a, a, passing, a passing acquaintance. Yeah. Well, Mary Todd got involved with the death of the child and everything else. So, I mean, she was, mm -hmm. she was into the, 
the, uh, the the spirituality of all of that and the occult or whatever you want to call it uh, long before um, Mr. Lincoln took one in the head. But um, that's a that's another story. You were going to say, T? Yeah, I, I, I thought I heard, also heard that when Abraham Lincoln came to see him after the battle, uh, Sickles actually tried to take credit for winning Gettysburg. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, he definitely spun that big time that... The only reason we were able to win at Gettysburg is because of what I did. But uh, again, there's He's got a couple of good quotes uh, right. later on here. Now, because of his friendship with Abraham Lincoln, he uh, is guaranteed a position in the government in post-war America, which is uh, you go off to war and then you come back, and one of the biggest problems that the troops are having is that you can't get you can't go back to your job because it wasn't um, it wasn't a protected status at that point. When I got activated and was sent over to the Middle East. Um, I actually got to leave my job with a guarantee of being offered the same rate and the same position when I came back. And it's a, it's a legal thing now. Uh, because The reason why they were doing that is because one of the things for the veterans was you couldn't get your position. So this guy's now locked up. You lose your leg, all right? And you've now locked up a guaranteed cushy government job when you go back home to your hot wife. All right? Not to mention you killed a guy in cold blood in the middle of broad daylight. Yeah, you've gotten away with it. Got away with it. Everything is, is he just still coming with? up sickles. Is he still with this uh, with Teresa at this point? Well, Teresa dies at age thirty-one. Um, but uh, by all, um, I forget what it was. It was an illness of some sort. But uh, by all accounts, he had truly mended the fence with his wife. Here, still went on to his whoring ways, but. Uh, uh, it, it, was, it might have been tuberculosis. If I yeah, remember I think it was. Right. I think it was TB. I didn't want to. Uh, I didn't want to speak out of uh, out of tell tales out of school here on that one. But I think you are right with tuberculosis. Um, thank God it wasn't VD, right? Um, <laughs> so um, now he sends his leg off to the hospital here. Uh, Lincoln visits him, uh, and he's not allowed to return to a combat post under protest. Sickles wanted to go back into the fighting on the war here, right. but. Uh, Grant would not allow it. There were other guys that have lost limbs and still went on to uh, fight. I mean, uh, Carney was one of them. He he was a one armed uh, one armed leader, but uh, Dan was not allowed to go back without both legs. I, I do, <laughs> even if once in the museum. Come on, boss! Said. I could still do it. That's right. He was. It's just a flesh wound. <laughs> he wasn't an ass kicker anymore. <laughs> That's right. One legged man in an ass kicking contest. <laughs> That might have been the joke of the episode right there, too. Uh, but uh, now, post-war, he finds himself... You want to talk about a great fucking gig. All right, we're now into re Reconstruction era in the South. Now, um, I got... Uh, we have listeners in the Carolinas. Beautiful, beautiful states down there. I've enjoyed my time in South and North Carolina. Um, it's uh, We only got about uh, 10, 15 minutes left here on this one. But uh, the, the point is, uh, this guy's life continues to happen in chapters. He is made the essential governor of the Carolinas, not North or South, both. Both. All right? And he's almost the Grand Puba down there. That's his own words to describe me, that he was a Roman emperor of sorts. Um, if you need something, you had to go see Sickles, all right? Um, now, he's down there, I guarantee you, um, for a New York guy with an Italian wife, um, you know, uh, Italian look away, and then all the, uh, the uh, prostitutes and everything like that that he enjoyed. Now you're in the South. Now it's those... Uh, now it's those nice girls that ask how you're doing, all right? And he's sitting down there, and he's pretty much the guy who can get things done down there. Essentially, he is the emperor of the Carolinas, okay? That's the gig that he has over here, which is fascinating. Uh, and like we said, it refers to himself as a poobah. And, uh, I mean, it, it just has to be a good life down there. You're in complete control of everything. Imagine having uh, Myrtle Beach to yourself, all right? Almost oh. like a Chris Christie on the beach during uh, a government shutdown. Um <laughs> But he goes ahead and uh, 
he's got that gig for a while here. His sickle's wife, Teresa, dies at age 31 and Sickles uh, winds up uh, remarrying while serving as an ambassador to Spain. Okay, that's his next gig. <laughs> yeah, now he's over in over Europe and Spain. Spain. So, yeah, I guess I'll be in charge of the Carolinas, whatever. It's getting kind of boring, you know what I mean? Uh, they don't have a football team yet. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and I guess I'll be the ambassador. Literally, the title he gives himself while he's over there is he talks about his time in Spain. as uh, He referred to himself as the Yankee King of Spain. <laughs> All right? So now he's over there. He marries uh, Caramina Creche. Okay, who is a, a handmaiden of uh, Queen Isabella of Spain? Okay, so he's now banging. Uh, you know, a, a, if he is the right hand of Buchanan uh, back in the day, he's not the president, but he's well plugged in. This woman is now also well plugged into Queen Isabella of Spain, and he's the Yankee King of Spain. So you guarantee he's doing pretty well for himself over there. Nobody gets pussy like wounded vets get pussy, okay? <laughs> I had a friend of mine I want to pay a tribute to him real quick. He's since passed away, but uh, my friend Travis Bates uh, had lost his leg. Uh, he was a veteran. Uh, lost his leg um, to cancer, actually. And uh, he uh, he passed away a couple years ago, but he was one of the great one-liner comics I ever knew. And um, he would go out on stage. He'd hobble out on his crutches, and he'd walk out, and the whole room can see that he's missing a leg. And his opening joke was, uh, a lot of you guys um, – a lot of you guys are looking at me funny, uh, like I have some sort of disadvantage. But uh, wouldn't you like to know that your dick is longer than your right leg? <laughs> <laughs> that was my friend Travis Bates. Man. Pour one out for the homie. Uh, well, he they, was a funny they, dude. They called Dan uh, Senor Una Pierna, <laughs> <laughs> which is Mr. One Leg. <laughs> that, was, that was his handle over in Madrid. <laughs> Not bad on that. That reminds one. me of when my dad was sick later in later in his life. He dressed up for Halloween as a as a one legged pirate because he had lost one of his legs. Oh, no, uh, <laughs> and he walked around with a pet. Not walked around, but he wheeled around with a peg leg. And ah, <laughs> oh, Jesus, gallows humor, fellas. Oh my God! <laughs> now, uh, when you are the uh, the Yankee King of Spain here, um, he uh, he got in a little bit of shit with Caramina Cruz, who he had kids with, by the way. Uh, Two, I believe, and uh, got a little bit, um, got a little bit of uh, an incident over here. Um, how do you, I, I don't know how to unpack this in an interesting way that's going to be more interesting than the act of itself. Uh, Dan Sickles, Major Devil Dan Sickles, the man who shot uh, his wife's lover out in the streets, who lost a leg in the Battle of Gettysburg, the uh, the the Grand Poobah of the Carolinas, the Yankee King of Spain. He fucks Queen Isabella. <laughs> Well, technically, she wasn't queen at the time. She was deposed. Hey, royalty is royalty. That's right. right? right. Once a queen, always a queen. Yeah. So uh, she's banging it, and he's sitting there, and uh, I mean, he's involved with that, uh, almost carrying it out in the open to the point of where his handmaid, or her handmaiden rather, his wife Caramina, or uh, she goes ahead and decides she's not going to come back to the United States with Dan. So for thirty years they separate. Yeah, she's not putting up with his antics. Nope. It's uh, well. Have you ever seen a Spanish woman get angry? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they have a way of doing things. Hi, mom. <laughs> <laughs> she's not carrying a derringer in her pocket. The, the chancla or the broom come out, and everybody scatters. Uh, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so now he uh, he's gotten so his international uh, uh, incident over here is. Uh, he starts writing these emotional letters back as the uh, ambassador of sorts from Spain to America and uh, is advocating for war with them. He's often emotional and not factually correct. He's just trying to pick a fight over here. And um, I mean, again, that, that's Spanish girls for you, man. They drive you crazy um, in a good way. Um, but 
goes ahead and uh, these letters have to be deciphered and then countered against. Uh, and America's like, hey, it's not quite – what Sickles is saying isn't really what's going on over here in Spain. Let's not go to war with them just yet. As we uh, all know, we eventually do wind up going to war with Spain. But uh, under a little bit better circumstances, not these uh, hyperbolic letters from Dan Sickles. Um, now, Sickles, uh, his womanizing, his antics continue to both plague and endear him to people. Uh, he does have to return to the United States alone. His wife and children refuse to join him. In his later political career, Sickles becomes a champion of battlefield preservation and monuments, a little bit of a self-serving favor. You know what I mean? Hey, you know it would be great if we built a park – to tell everybody how great I was. <laughs> you remember how great I am? Yeah, and this is uh, – it, it was 34 years' worth of uh, uh, coercing various congressmen and everything else. But finally now, 34 years after the, after the fact, he's given the, uh, the Medal of Honor. Uh, whether it was a you know political maneuvering or what what have you, but um, eventually he makes that happen too. That he is now a uh, a, a Medal of Honor winner for his antics in, uh, and Gettysburg. his citation too. This one cracks me up here. Um, we've fucked up, all right. Everybody here has fucked up at one point or another. Could you imagine getting the Medal of Honor for fucking up? <laughs> That's right. All right, because that says right. for uh, 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 glorious bravery and uh, um, you know he didn't want to leave his men on the field of battle. Um, that, hence the cigar thing. So it's like, hey, man, you fucked up. Uh, here's literally you know, the, the highest honor the country can give you. Thanks for fucking up, Dan. I appreciate it. You did us a solid here. Yeah. I want just, – just to note, I was looking his name up on Google and I typed it in with Queen Isabella. The first thing that comes up is a New York Times article that is titled, Tan Sickles, the man who got away with everything. <laughs> <laughs> that's a pretty good uh, – that's a pretty good that's article right there. Um, now to hit the, the final parts of his life here because I know we're going long as always. We always say we're not going to bullshit and then we just bullshit. Um, but uh, It's okay with this podcast. I don't, like, I'm not going to be like, man, they went over time. No. I love this. I love listening to this show. And, and I love having you on it too, man. It's uh, I, I would feel bad for whatever podcast you do charge the overtime for. <laughs> like, hey, by the way, talking Jersey. Uh, yeah, you're at 55, all right? Wrap it the fuck up, Dino. Only, only with podcasts I don't like. <laughs> I, I can definitely see my wife tapping her foot like, I got to go get my nails done. Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> we will get you out of here, T. So, uh, but that being said, he becomes a champion of uh, uh, memorializing the Battle of Gettysburg. Um, and like I said, Gettysburg is Disney World for the Civil War. I mean, it's mind blowing the amount of. Uh, it's really not that. What a way big to a put property. it, Disney World for the Civil War. Oh, it, it really it's is the happiest place on earth. It's a, <laughs> dioramas, cycle ramas, all sorts of monuments and everything. The um, picture of his leg is. Horrifying! It exploded. I, oh my god! Like <laughs> I can't imagine not reacting to that sort of injury. It's, like uh, it's very Jason Pierre Paul esque um, for the firework incident. Oh. Um, but uh, as uh, as we were saying here, man, he actually uh, there's twenty seven thousand uh, dollars that is put aside that is raised in order for Dan Sickles to have a monument made to himself uh, in the park. Okay. Now, every <laughs> right. major general is, to be every, fair here. Right. Uh, and I, <laughs> Go ahead. Uh, my father is the integrity of the show. Uh, <laughs> every major general. That's scary in itself right there. <laughs> every major general um, that was involved in the Battle of Gettysburg does have a monument to themselves here, except for Dan Sickles. He's the only guy without one. 
Now, it's interesting because the money that was raised in order to make the monument to Sickles was $27,000 that is rumored to have been embezzled and stolen by Sickles himself. <laughs> right. it, it's the modern-day GoFundMe like, page. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's the kind of, uh, I'll take the cash. Yeah, picture, <laughs> picture Fanny White, the world's most famous prostitute, uh, walking out of his house, right? And you're saying like, hey, Dan, do you have that money for the, the monument thing? Um <laughs> Uh, uh, I don't know where it went, but Fanny definitely didn't just leave with it. Yeah. So. At the same time, though, Sickles was very instrumental in the creation of the military Gettysburg Military Park to begin with. So I'm opening a GoFundMe. He's, he's getting a fucking statue. Yeah, really? He needs a nice bust up there. Well, uh, not for nothing, too. I forgot to mention this earlier. You want to talk about Fanny White for a second. Um, you've heard about Freddie Mac and Fanny Mae, but Fanny White costs you the most money. <laughs> Here's um, my pitch for his statue. It's the it's him being carried off of the battlefield, cigar in hand, Stogie. on his back with his leg like yeah, looking like D. Martin with the bow tie undone. <laughs> yeah, right. Either that or he's doing the Captain Morgan. That's a, not bad, <laughs> not bad, T. Um, so, uh, like we said here, man, he's got uh, he like you were mentioning earlier, Tristan. He routinely has people come visit his leg. Like, let's going to set up a poker table. <laughs> Underneath my leg. All right, going on a field trip today. We're gonna go visit my leg. Yeah, you know, we'll bring a couple of beers. We'll uh, eventually. I I imagine right now that uh, if if Ming is hearing this, Ming, please, you have all this cool shit up in the studio here in a shared universe. How do we get Dan Sickles' leg in this fucking studio? (laughs) But um, now uh, this is the greatest line I have ever heard. This is a line we're gonna go out on for this one here. Uh, LP, do you have anything else before we hit the uh, the line about why there's no memorial to Dan Sickles at Gettysburg? Uh, I think uh, I think we got it here, Kev. Well, his leg is still on display here, um, and I uh, we're gonna go out on uh, on this one. Um, so that being said, I'm going to say the goodbyes here real quickly. I want to say thank you to Mike and Ming over at Shared Universe for letting us do this one. Thank you to the Kahuna behind the one and twos. I appreciate you, brother. Thank you, Tristan Ryan Adrero, one of my oldest and closest friends. Thank you for coming down to the show. Thanks for listening to the show, too, buddy. No, thanks for having me, finally. Uh, hopefully this is not a, a one-time thing. <laughs> no, uh, you did. I, I was actually – I knew you were going to be fun to talk to on this one, but we got, I got other stuff in mind for I, you. I even did research. Man. He's well, got uh, notes in front of him. Like, holy cow. We're recording two episodes today to come out at later dates here, but uh, regular listeners of the show, Lawrence Patrick Burke has to go on his sabbatical to become South Beach Larry for, uh, <laughs> until around March when he has to come home for uh, St. Patrick's Day. He gets so, that nice shade of lobster so this is going to be <laughs> that's right this is going to be our uh, our uh, one of our last episodes with you here just for a little while until we bring you back up for uh, for March so uh, we're going to need more guests in here so Tristan you definitely earned yourself a spot on that one thank you for that here um, if you guys like the podcast so do excited. us a favor check us out on uh, uh, iTunes and SoundCloud subscribe to the show if you can it really helps us out leave us a review that helps us out too we are climbing the rankings on uh, iTunes I'm really happy about that uh, this show is a passion project here uh, we it actually costs us money um, Mike and Ming are very fair to us on that stuff, but I do uh, shell out cash in order to make this thing happen here. And as long as people are liking the show, then I'm completely okay with it. This is my passion project. But if you leave us a review, it really helps us out. Uh, confront somebody about the show, uh, corner them. Uh, if someone leaves their phone unlocked, uh, subscribe to the podcast. That's right. There you go. Uh, yeah, don't do dick pics. Subscribe K- to KP's buying around for the house. Maybe you can uh, return it with a, a positive review. Yeah, that's all I ask, man. So that being said, if you want to follow, uh, check me out for a stand-up, anything like that, uh, support the show. KP, at KP Burke Sucks on Twitter, at KP Burke Sucks on Instagram, KP Burke on Facebook. I also do have a website up. It's kpburkcomic.com. Do me a favor. Check that one out, too. My good friend Natty Bumpercar made that. That being said, this is the line... We're going to go out on for American loser Dan Sickles, the man who shot Philip Barton Key dead in the street for banging his wife, used the temporary insanity defense, and it worked. 
the man who banged the deposed queen of Spain, all right? The man who had his leg blown off at the Battle of Gettysburg and then visited it in a hospital. The former Grand Poobah of the Carolinas, the man who embezzled his own statue memorial money, all right, was once asked, uh, Dan, why don't uh, – why is there no monument to you at the Battle of Gettysburg? And Dan Sickles, in Dan Sickles' fashion, looked back in and goes, hell, the entire battlefield at Gettysburg is a monument to Dan Sickles. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that is Major General Dan Sickles, American loser. Thank you. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. An American loser the day I was born. An